Suffering is a part of all of our experiences, and I, I would say that suffering is, well, our ministry is suffering-centric. It's a part of who we are. Every day someone is writing, someone's asking a question, someone is coming to us in some way, and they're going through a difficult time. They're having a painful disappointment, and they want help. It's one of my highest privileges is to be able to provide resources for people who are struggling. Abuse, suffering, and other painful disappointments is the title of this podcast. If you want to read this podcast, you can do that. You can go to our website, rickthomas.net. You can find a full transcript word for word of what I'm going to share with you, and I would encourage you not only read it, Take it to your closet, reflect upon it, but also share it with other people. We are fallen people. We live in a fallen world. We hurt people and people hurt us. It's just a part of how things have always been and how things will always be until Jesus returns. I don't wish suffering on anyone and I wish I did not have to go through it, but God has taught me a few things, and it is what our ministry is about to a large degree, and I want to share those things with you, and I hope that it helps you. I hope that it finds uh, that you find encouragement in the things that I write and the things that I, I share. It's one of my highest privileges to be able to come alongside other people who are going through a difficult time. It takes grace, courage, faith, humility, patience, and passion for wanting to grow in your walk with God. And though it is counterintuitive, suffering is one of the primary means the Lord uses to mature us. Yes, it is. The counterintuitive message of the gospel, if if you want to be great, you must be small. If you want to live, you must die. If you want to follow Christ, you have to take up your cross to do so. I am Rick Thomas. You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and if you want to talk to us about this, Suffering Disappointment, the title of this article again, Abuse, Suffering, and Other Painful Disappointments, it would be a privilege to talk to you. We have forums that are available to you. They are There's no cost for them. Our community forums are open to anybody in the world, and you're welcome to access them, fill out your username and password, and you can get on our forums and chat with us. We have tutorials as well that walk you through how to do that. Of course, you can drop us an email, and we'll be glad to guide you onto our forums so that you can ask your question, whether it's about suffering or something else. This is what we do, and our team or folks are are ready uh, to be able to help you Please share this and use this article here. I have other articles embedded here, and perhaps God wants you to come alongside a friend to walk with them as they go through their disappointment time. When I went through the most challenging decade of my life, almost a decade from 1988 to about 1998, the Lord taught me many things that formed what I call a theology of suffering, and it changed how I thought about God It changed how I thought about myself and and how I thought about other people. God saved me in 1984. That's when he regenerated me. And after that, he began to dismantle me. 
He tore me down to my foundation with compassion and love, even though it was painful because I needed to be rebuilt. Paul said in Ephesians 4.22 that we bring our old selves into our new relationship with Christ. He called it a former manner of life. Well, I was regenerated by the power of the gospel, but I still had a former manner of life that I brought into my salvation experience, and God, well, he tore it down. He took me down to the foundation so that he could build me up into a Christ-like person. I'm not there yet, but I'm far different than I was over three decades ago, and for that I am thankful, even though much of my journey has been painful. Each abuse is different, and mine is not like yours, but from a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, and soul-discomfitting point of view, it is similar. The disappointment is thick. The anger can be all-consuming. The bitterness tries to creep in, and the process out of suffering is slow. It's tedious, and sometimes it is maddening. But as you have already experienced to some degree and are experiencing in an ongoing degree, God is there at the beginning. It reminds me of Genesis 39-2 with the story of Joseph. Joseph's suffering or his story began in Genesis 37 and in two chapters later it says, the Lord was with Joseph. I love those two words, with Joseph. The Lord was with you at the beginning of your difficulty as well. And of course, God is with you now. We read that in, or the implication of that in Hebrews 13, 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And if he is the same, well, he was with you when he saved you, and he is with you today, and he will always be with you forever. What God is doing is he is answering one of your most prolonged and most desired prayers, though not in a way that you ever wanted it or anticipated that prayer to be answered. And that prayer is your desire to look like Jesus. All of us want to be Christ-like, though sadly the process to this good end is usually not how we expected or wanted it. But the benefit of Christ's transformation is life-changing. Paul prayed that prayer this way in Philippians 3. You're very familiar, I'm quite sure, with verse number 10, where the great apostle said, "...that I may know him and the power of his resurrection." That's what, God, that's what Paul wanted to know. He wanted to know Christ and the power of of his resurrection, but he went on to say, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You're living out that prayer now. You are learning more about Jesus through the things that you are suffering there are benefits to suffering, even though we might not spend a lot of time thinking about it. 
But the good news is that as you continue to persevere in your suffering, you will mature through it. The gifts that will be yours will be impossible to explain or appreciate fully, even though you can explain partially and appreciate to some degree what God is doing in you, to you. Our ministry is an outward manifestation of God's gift to me. It came through suffering. Gift of suffering is a gift that God promised us, as Paul said in Philippians 1.29, for it is granted to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. But most of the gifts of suffering are mostly internal and heart-transforming. Let me give you six examples of what suffering can do for you. You are developing a maturing peace. Paul said in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A benefit of suffering, you are developing a maturing peace. Number two, you'll become less wound up about so many things, not sweating the small stuff. Number three, it's becoming easier to empathize with other people. Number four, you may have more tears than you had in the past. Jesus wept when he was confronted with suffering. I'm talking about the suffering of his friend Lazarus. Weeping and having tears is a good thing. I have more tears now than I had in the past. I typically tell people I didn't cry until my suffering began, and I have been crying ever since, and I do not see that as a negative at all. Having compassion, having a broken heart, having tears can be a very good thing. Number five, there will be less enticement toward the things of this world, and I've seen that to be so true. The world just isn't important anymore. Suffering kind of changes your mind about driving those tent stakes deep into this sod. And number six, you'll have an even greater passion for helping others. Maturing peace, not sweating the small stuff, easier to empathize, more tears, less enticement toward the things of the world, and greater passion for helping others. Those are some of the benefits or gifts of suffering. As you're going through a difficult time, if you happen to be a writer, please give yourself to journaling your thoughts. I began journaling my suffering journey in 1994, and it has been one of the best things I've ever done. My journal thoughts form the basis of our ministry the articles that I write are not made up out of thin air. The articles that I write come from my heart. God has to move me to write something before I would ever write it. So these articles are, in one sense, my devotions, my thoughts about God as I work out my salvation that God is working into me. If writing is not your thing, find a friend that you can talk through what the Lord is working in you. One of the things you'll be able to see through this process, whether you are a journaler or you're talking it out with a 
close friend is how your heart will continue to change as you continue to move closer to Jesus. You'll see these mile markers along the way. I want to share a few of those mile markers with you. One, I want you to fight tenaciously for any sin that is yours. This is the heart of Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Jesus talked about addressing the log in your eye before you go speck fishing. Making those acknowledgments maybe a few mile markers down the road for sufferers, but you need to fight tenaciously against any sin that may be yours Without owning things that are not yours, which is sometimes a temptation, especially for those who have been abused, those sins are not yours. Don't own them, but be honest about your role in life's disappointments. It's part of the process when working through the Lord's gift of suffering. It is a sign that you are maturing well. Another mile marker, though just as hard, is to pity those who have hurt you. I'm not saying that you should forgive them. You can't do that until they ask you to forgive them, but you can pity them because they are in a worse condition than they probably know. Pitying, disappointing people is usually way down the road from where your journey with suffering began. To own your sin, not theirs, but to own your sin and to have pity on those who have hurt you it does not negate the abuse or the pain that happened to you, nor is it a sign of weakness or an expectation to submit to the suffering. You should never submit to the suffering if someone is abusing you. What it is, though, is a sign of Christian maturity. God-given humility and biblical clarity. That's what we're talking about. One, Christian maturity, two, God-given humility, and three, biblical clarity. Similar to Joseph in Genesis 50, 20, where he was talking to his brothers, he learned God's purpose in the pain while not submitting to the control of what others did to him. And then there is another more subtle form of abuse that happens to individuals like us, which takes a while to perceive. At least, it took a while for me to recognize. Long after the abusive person leaves, the abused begins to reflect back on what happened, how it happened, why it happened, and a thousand other ancillary thoughts and questions that come to mind. This problem is especially acute for reflective thinkers. If you are given to reflection and introspection, it is a strength, but it can also be a curse. Sometimes our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. Our most wonderful assets are our most troubling liabilities. And if you're not careful, bitterness can creep in through regret. Bitterness can come in through anger, missed opportunities, or even a realization of personal failure if there has been any. Bitterness can come through a desire for a redo or a wish that you never met the person or persons who have hurt you. 
though some of your reflective thoughts is vital because you want to sort it all out. You do want to have sovereign clarity on what you are going through, but the more subtle form of this kind of backward glance is that it can turn to bitterness. Bitterness is self-inflicted abuse that comes through the revisitation of past disappointments without a redemptive grid in which to filter what has happened to you. You do want to make sure that you are looking through or toward what happened to you through a filter. It has to be a biblical filter, and that biblical filter includes the sovereignty of God. As I said earlier, God was there with you as hard as that may be to swallow for some of you, God was there, and you must see the disappointment through a bibliocentric filter. There is a fine line between giving the past a biblical consideration to change and grow versus letting the past weigh you down in ways that keep you from maturing in Christ. May the Lord give you the clarity and wisdom you need to be able to look back so you may benefit while shrugging off any temptation to blame yourself or be bitter. Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You won't don't want to be that person. Most of the time, an individual rarely perceives the bitterness until years later. I've noticed mine when I went back to read my journals during those times. (laughs) When I have done that, I have exclaimed, oh my, I was so bitter when I was going through that. I never saw that, and that's typically the case. You can't see what you can't see, and When your mind becomes cloudy or when the hayloft is on fire, it's hard to see because of all the smoke. This potential problem is where a loving community can be one of your best allies. Surrounding yourself with good companions is a non-negotiable when going through some of the most challenging times in your life. It reminds me of Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. The writer said, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is not just a call for the sufferer to be proactive and intentional to find those good companions to surround themselves with, but it's also a call for the rest of us to find the sufferer, to find the person going through a difficult time and surround them. Be that good friend. Stir them up to loving good deeds. Consider how may you consider the person who is hurting. If we can be one of those friends, please ask. It would be a joy to serve you on your journey with the Lord. I don't know what he has in mind for you. I don't know altogether what he's doing in you, but I know he loves you and he will help you through abuse, suffering, and other painful disappointments. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. 
Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.